Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, happy Monday. Happy MLK Day. Uh, big day in history, especially now with uh, what's going on in the world. So we're going to talk about his I Have a Dream speech and what equality and diversity actually look like uh, in this world, not what people think it should look like, uh, whether it's based on their political beliefs, their backgrounds or whatever. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that we need to have more of, but we unfortunately have not had more of, excuse me. So I'm just going to break down that speech. Sorry about this podcast getting you so late. Um, let's get after it. in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination 100 years later. The Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity 100 years later. The Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. So we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds.
But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. <laughs> we refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great bulks of opportunity of this nation. So we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. So I want to play that clip. Uh, you can listen to it on your own through NPR for free. Um, but I want to play that soundbite because I think the beginning of that speech was one of the most important parts of his speech because I think it's a good attention grabber. And if you know people that are really good at, at speaking, uh, politicians do a really good job of this um, is they know how to grab your attention in the early sets of the speech. And that's what MLK did. Uh, I, I just really think his words hold power and hold true. When he talks about the check, when he talks about American society and American funds uh, with the Declaration of Independence, uh, I'll just even quote it right here. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. I thought this was a very powerful this is a very powerful word choice because it relates to how freedom and finance and everything come together. And African-American people didn't have freedom um, and they still don't have freedoms now. Um, it's still not equal, you know, and, and it talks about what is equality. Well, equality is living in a world where people aren't judged by the color of their skin, uh, what gender they identify as, or what um, sexual orientation or preference they have towards their significant other. Because even with this speech, too, he only brings up African-American men and Caucasian men. It should go even deeper with African-American women and Caucasian women as well. You know, and not to take away, obviously, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King made great points. Um, I'm not taking away and I'm not bashing this speech at all. Um, I'm just saying it's even more relevant now that we find racial equality with, you know, all genders and all sexual orientations or preferences, religions, things like that. And it's the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness that it's still not equal. We still don't have African-American men and women treated as they can pursue what they want to pursue, whether it's opening a business, you know, buying a car, buying a house, um, choosing their significant other, getting help 
uh, with their mental health or their physical health, having the best access to, yeah, like I said, healthcare or gosh, I mean, there's just so many limited accesses for African-American people. Whereas, you know, Caucasian people, we get that white privilege. And that's the other thing too. We don't understand white privilege, I think as a whole. White privilege is when you acknowledge that you have benefits because of your skin tone. And it's true that Caucasian people have more privilege than people of color. Um, oh, an example of white privilege is perfect. Walking in an airport versus um, an African-American person or um Heck, even like a Middle Eastern person, a person who identifies as a Muslim or a person who is Indian, they most, most actually more than most of the time are going to be stopped because of the color of their skin. And they're just assumed to have um, a device or something of chemical destruction that could harm the plane. And, and, and that is what I call ridiculous because we have had more proof than ever that there is an equal amount of violence with Caucasian people and like people of color. And I say that just in a sense of when you look at, you know, shootings and bombings and things of that nature, you see a lot of these people are actually Caucasian people. Um, but then again, we we choke out African-American men because they were assumed to have a counterfeit dollar bill. And we we seem to like we seem to just forget that, like the bombings and shootings recently have been mostly Caucasian people, Caucasian men to be exactly. But we still, for some reason, go after and murder an African-American man who was trying to pay for something and was assumed to have a counterfeit dollar bill. This is like, this is the issue that I'm talking about here. And this is the issue of the check or the promissory note for people of color in the United States uh, is still defaulted. The funds are still insufficient. We're not honoring the obligation. Like even with our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, we didn't even acknowledge African Americans as like as a whole person. Like we dwindled African American people down to a fraction of a person. Like, um, I'm kind of embarrassed that I forgot what this was. I think it was the three eighths. Um. It was like a three-eighths doctrine. Three-fifths. We used to count African-Americans as three-fifths of a person. Sorry about that. I had to look that up. But, like, that's... When we signed the Declaration of Independence, when we got our independence from Great Britain... We didn't even acknowledge African American as a whole person. We didn't acknowledge women as people, like as people that could vote, even, you know. And 
now granted we've come a long way, but we're still, we're still behind, you know, we're still, um, microaggressing towards African-Americans and it's still not equal. And I think like now more than ever, we need to realize what MLK was saying when he did this speech and MLK, he didn't want like reparations. He didn't want, I guess he like, he didn't want to get like some sort of benefit from this movement MLK did what he did because he wanted to see a world where people were happy together and it didn't matter what you looked like. Like people didn't care for what you looked like. People only cared about how you presented yourself and how you treated other people. And that's how it should be. Cause in the end, when we die, People don't look at us for what we looked like, um, but they look at like what we accomplished and what we did to better society and better the world and have a cohesiveness. Because you can only live for so many years in your life and I feel like it's just being wasted on hatred towards each other and notice how dr martin luther king when he talks about like african-americans being wrong he didn't even he didn't even say like white people he said america failed to act upon this promissory note to african-americans so he didn't even use a microaggression towards white people he said America. He said the country. And I think if you're a white person that's listening to this right now, and for some reason you disagree with this holiday or you disagree with things that are said in the speech with MLK or you disagree with what, like if you disagree with MLK in any sort of fashion, um, it's not directed towards white people. It's directed towards America as a whole. Because the Constitution, like I said, wasn't even fair to begin with for African Americans. Like we didn't acknowledge African American people as a whole person. And that's and that's a shame. That's a real shame. And we need to teach how that was a negative thing in our history classes. And we need to teach why we need to be more empathetic towards African-Americans with these types of things. And we need to be more understanding and we need to, we need to do better and we need to understand why when an African-American person is profiled in any sort of situation by a police officer or just a person in general, why that's a microaggression and why like white privilege is relevant in our lives right now. And why um, all privileges should be acknowledged. I think like male privilege too can be acknowledged. Um, because like males can go out in public and kind of wear whatever they want and do what they want. And usually there's no judgment. Whereas 
uh, women and females, they, they do get judged for what they wear and what they do, even if it's the same as what men do. Like we need to acknowledge that privilege as well. We do. We just need to acknowledge a lot of things that ha- there there is an unfair system right now, and it's a tough conversation that we need to have with our friends, uh, our family members, uh, people in the workplace, people in the public. Like we need to we need to hold each other accountable and need excuse me, we need to have these conversations that are going to be hard. And I think with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and those cases, we need to be more empathetic and we need to be more understanding of like what happened was not okay and how there could be, there could be different steps taken in the plan, in the corrective action because uh, I'm from St. Louis and, and we had Ferguson. And I didn't live in Ferguson. Um, I didn't see firsthand, you know, the riots and things like that. Because I had the privilege of living in uh, West County. For those of you St. Louis people that know, obviously, what West County is. I had the safety and comfort during those times where I went to school, I went to a private school. I had that privilege. Um, but I remember during that time in Ferguson, things were tense with just Caucasian students and African-American students because we, we didn't really know how to have that conversation. And truth be, ter- truth be told, I don't know if we still have that understanding now. Because I, to be honest with you, I'm disappointed in the fact that we blew up the way we did at Colin Kaepernick for taking a knee. And then like you, you, and then like we get upset now when people take actions, even the violent actions too. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to watch because I wish it didn't have to go that route, but I feel like, it was it was hard not to go that route because we never listened in the first place from when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Like, we made a big deal out of that, and that was just one of the most harmless actions you could do to stand up against racial injustice. So, I guess the point I need to make, since we're coming up on closing time here, um, this was a hard one to do today because I don't have the full scope and the full picture of what African-American people go through on a day-to-day basis. Because if I get pulled over by a cop, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about a lot of things. Um, versus if I was an African-American, I would have to worry about being abused or shot or choked to death, you know, I, I don't have that full scope. I just, it pains me to see things happen like this. If we've tried to progress as a society for hundreds of years in America and we're still like, we're still not there yet. We still don't have, we don't have the full grip and understanding 
of the dream that Martin Luther King talked about. We're still not there yet. Are we taking steps? I mean, yeah, we're taking steps, but we still aren't there yet. And I just kind of want you to think about today, what are you going to do to make society a more equal and diverse place here? Like, what are you going to do to improve yourself and improve your scope and knowledge of these issues racially? And I think for Caucasian people in general, it's listening and being empathetic to African-American stories and what you hear and understanding why there could have been a different course of action whether it's George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin. It's listening. It's listening and being empathetic towards those stories and situations and understanding that being a white person, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. As you can see with the Capitol storming. Because in all honesty, I thought, you raid the DC Capitol, you were going to get shot or, or something because that's where all the politicians are. And I thought with protecting the politicians, they would, you know, they would do everything in their power to stop these people, but they just let, they let the anarchy take place. I don't care if it's Antifa. I don't care what organization they belong to. They were still white people. They still were not apprehended. They still made a mess. They still did what they wanted to do without real consequence initially. They might be getting arrested now, but there was no initial consequence. And that's what you need to think about. What can I do to learn from these situations to understand the other side better? To understand African-American people better? What can we do to unite and make Martin Luther, dream, Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream become a reality? Just wanted to start this conversation. I wanted to acknowledge the speech and how wonderful this speech is. Really listen to it uh, if you can today. It's only 17 minutes in reality. That's not a super long time. People make it a big deal. But, I mean, that's what this podcast is. And I almost played the whole clip the whole time. But I just wanted to speak on uh, a few things with this. Um, but, yeah. We need to be better. We need to be more equal. We need to be more diverse. And it starts with the conversation. It starts with your mindset towards people that don't look like you, don't sound like you, and don't act like you, and don't have the same background or culture as you. It's having that understanding and that empathy. So love each other. Build each other up, no matter what the difference is. And try to make this place a better place to live.
not just for ourselves, but for the future. You guys have a great rest of your Monday. Appreciate you all. Keep winning the life. Thank you. Hello, thanks for listening today. Uh, Go ahead and give that podcast that you're listening to right now a subscription. Uh, Click the subscribe button, add it to your Spotify or your Apple podcast or your Google podcast or whatever you listen to. Feel free to give this an ad. Uh, Also, follow me on social media. My Instagram is Cooper underscore Harrison 2. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. uh, Twitter's Coop to Scoop. Um, so feel free to give me an ad on social media, click my link tree as well in this, uh, in the description of my podcast, that'll take you to all my social media, uh, the podcast itself, my book. Uh, if you want to sign up for my newsletter, you can as well. So go ahead, um, give that, give that old bad boy a click. Um, and you have a great rest of your day and always remember to keep one in life. Thank you.